John chapter 16, and uh, we're continuing our series that we started a few weeks back entitled, Your Helper, the Holy Spirit. And I want to read to you from John chapter 16. Some of you that uh, know your Bibles will be familiar with the fact that chapters 13 to 17 of John's Gospel are often referred to as the farewell discourses of Jesus. The farewell discourses. They are the, it's like a body of teaching that he gave in one place at one time. And the theme was to prepare the disciples for the fact that he was going, but though he was going, the Holy Spirit would come to the church and would replace, as it were, the physical presence of Jesus would have the the very spiritual presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit living inside us. And in verse 13, Jesus said this, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said to you that he would take of mine and declare it to you. You know, the more I'm in this Christian life, and and especially the, the, the more I'm involved in teaching God's word, I'm becoming more and more convinced that our greatest need is for truth. You know? That's the greatest need of the believer. And it's understandable when you consider the fact that when Adam and Eve were created and put in the Garden of Eden, they were were in the truth. They were connected to the truth of God. But when they chose to stand apart from God and partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they sought knowledge apart from God. And truth went out of them and they got the lie. And started living by the lie. And it's the lie that basically produces pain and hurt in our lives. In our recovery program on on Thursday, we looked at this very subject. And and we saw that um, every negative emotion that is experienced by us as human beings, at the root of it you will find a false belief. That's quite a statement. Any, any kind of negative emotion, whether it's depression, anxiety, fear, anger, hatred, resentment, bitterness, you know, whatever it is, at the root of that emotion, there is, a, there is a false belief. And if you can discover the corresponding truth that relates to that false belief, that will dispel the false belief, then the emotion will come under divine order and control and will subside and that's why the truth is so important to us and that's why the first step back to God is always repentance now a lot of people think that repentance is just getting your life cleaned up well if we could clean our lives up we wouldn't need Jesus amen repentance means actually a change of mind that's what that word means it means that we stop living independently of God and trying to work things out with our own reason and our own understanding, which is alienated from the life of God, therefore it's futile, the Bible says, that we stop that. And we come back to the light 
of the word of God that brings truth back into our lives. Now, even when we do repent and we come back to God and we accept God's word as the foundation of our lives, we still need to continuously renew our mind in that word. That's what the Christian life is all about. And that's why the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth, because that's his role, to help us to stand in the truth. Now, you know that I don't go on a lot about the devil. I think other preachers kind of um, overcompensate for that. Um, but I will say this very strongly, that the devil is real, and his main activity in your life and in my life is to deceive us. And he will do two things to do that. First of all, when you hear the truth of God, he will do everything, his utmost, to steal that truth out of your heart, to take it away. Jesus told the parable of the sower, the, sowed seed, uh, the seed fell rather on, on, uh, on, on the wayside and the birds of the air came down and, and plucked it up before it was able to sink into the ground. That's what the devil does. He takes the word of God out of our heart as much as he can. His, his desire is to keep the truth from you, to keep you from the truth. But the second thing he does is to sow thoughts in our minds. He's constantly popping thoughts into our minds. You know, we see this in the Word of God. We see, for example, that um, uh, Peter tried to dissuade Jesus from going to the cross, tried to talk him out of it. And, and Jesus saw beyond Peter in this, he saw that it was the devil that popped that idea in his mind, and he said, get behind me, Satan. You know, get behind me. You're not thinking the things of God. And, and Satan can sow thoughts in the hearts of, and the minds of believers because he knows that if you believe the wrong thing, then he can control you in that area of your life. If you're believing a lie, then, then uh, he, can, he can control you in that area. And that's why God has given us to combat this, the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth. And so if truth is our greatest need, then the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, is our best friend on earth. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit to lead us in truth. And Jesus said, when he comes, and he has come to you and to I, he will guide us and lead us in all truth. Not all knowledge. He doesn't let us know everything. I mean, you, you don't become an expert on chemistry or motor mechanics or computers or whatever. It's not knowledge that he brings, but it's truth. Truth relating to your spiritual life. Truth relating to the kingdom of God. You know, Paul said this to the, 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 the elders at Ephesus. He said that he did not keep back the whole counsel of God's word. He didn't fail to bring the whole counsel of God's word. God wants to bring the whole counsel of truth into your heart and into my life because that is our greatest need. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us for that reason. Now... I want to share two words with you. And those of you that have done Bible school will be familiar with these two words. And this is how the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, brings truth to you and I. The first word is revelation. Now, a lot of people try to understand God through human reason. You know, they try to work him, work him out in their own mind. And that's why we've got thousands of religions and thousands of philosophies all disagreeing and, and, and you know no consensus there because everybody's working from the futility of their own mind. It's like being blindfolded 
in the dark and taken into a thick forest and left there and with your blindfold on and said, now find your way out of that. You know, everybody's just groping in the dark, just try, grasping at this, grasping at that, banging into trees and, uh, you know, not knowing which way is up. That's the, that's the picture that the Bible gives us when you try to understand God from your own reason. God can only be known by revelation. In other words, if God is going to be known, the initiative is with him. He has to draw back the veil. That's what that word revelation means. It comes from the Greek word apocalypse, which is to draw back the veil so that that which was previously hidden can be made known. And that's what God has done through the Holy Spirit. He's brought us revelation about himself. And that revelation has come primarily through the Word. See, see God does reveal himself in nature. Amen? You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. You look up and you see the handiwork of God. The earth is filled with the goodness of God and the glory of God. And so God has revealed himself in a general way in creation. But what do we know about God as we look at creation? Well, we know that he exists. We know there's a creator. We know something of his character. We can see that he's a wise God. We can see that he's a loving God who provides we can see that he's a God of order. We can see intelligent design in uh, uh, you know, the world around us. That's why the evolutionists hate that term because it's so loaded. Everything about creation uh, shouts that there is a designer because there is so much order and, and, and intricate design in creation. So we can see these things about God, but that's as far as we know when we look at creation. We need special revelation to understand what God is saying. What is God saying to us? This God who we see is there and uh, uh, is a God of order and design and uh, a God of beauty and a God of love and pro providence and so on. What is he saying to us? We need special revelation. And so God, through the Holy Spirit, has given us a revelation so that we're not in the dark here on earth. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light and to our path. And it's the Holy Spirit who inspired men of God to write this Word of God. It's God's Word given to us through human vessels. Let, let me just read to you what um, the Bible actually says. In 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, we read this. No prophecy, now the word prophecy isn't just foretelling, but it's forthtelling. It's bringing forth the Word of God. No prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit God through the spirit of truth came upon certain men and and they were born along as a ship is borne along as the wind gets into the sails and carries it along these men were born along to bring forth the revelation of God's word. Now here's something which is incredible, friends. This Bible consists of 66 books written by about 40 different writers. They all lived at different times and at different places over a period of 1,600 years in many different countries of the world. For example, Daniel wrote in Babylon David wrote his psalms on the hillsides of Judea. Paul wrote many of his epistles from prisons in Europe. 
Moses wrote down in the Sinai Desert. Isaiah wrote from Jerusalem, etc., etc. Not only different countries, but three different continents, Asia, Africa, Europe. They, were, they all came from different backgrounds. You know, one was a herdsman, others were kings, some were prophets, one was a doctor, <coughs> one was a fisherman, one was a tax collector, etc., etc. Come from completely diverse backgrounds, never met each other, most of them. And yet, when we read the Bible, there is an incredible harmony and unity and uh, uh, just a wonderful sense of this being one message from God. Why? Because the ultimate author is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was assigned, as it were, by the Godhead to ensure that we, the human race, know what God is saying to the world today so that we are not without a witness. We, are, we have a clear record in this word of God's revelation to us. God has drawn back the veil and revealed himself to us. How wonderful that is. Now, that's only half of the equation because that's only one part of the story. God has revealed himself. But you know what? We can read this and not make any sense of it. And so the Holy Spirit has another role, and that is what we call illumination, not just revelation, but illumination. Revelation draws back the veil that has hidden God from us, but illumination draws back the veil of our hearts so that we can understand the Word of God. You know, for example, in the Bible, we, we see a story of um, uh, a eunuch who was from... Ethiopia and he's in a chariot and he was reading from the book of Isaiah what we call Isaiah 53 actually and when he was reading it Philip the evangelist came alongside he said do you understand what you read he said how can I unless somebody explains it to me he didn't he you can read the Bible and and not understand it so he went up into the chariot and preached Jesus to him revealed Jesus from the scriptures and then it all made sense the veil fell from his eyes and he saw the message of the Bible. He received Jesus. He was born again, became a Christian. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He is the spirit of truth that opens up our understanding so that we might know the Word of God. I mean, you remember when you first began to read the Bible and there's all these genealogies, so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so, all these wars, what's all these wars about? And, and, you know, all these different stories and tabernacles and priesthoods, and what's it all about? You didn't have a clue. You're scratching your head. Until the spirit of truth began to draw the veil back. And you think, wow, this is so beautiful. Maybe you used to read Leviticus and think, man, if I get through this, I deserve a medal. <laughs> but now you see Jesus in it. You see it so full and loaded of stuff that's relevant to your experience and your walk with God. How wonderful is that? That's the spirit of truth. Remember those two on the road to Emmaus? And they were arguing because they didn't understand the scriptures. And then Jesus came alongside and beginning at Moses, he began to open their understanding concerning the scriptures and their hearts burned within them. That's the spirit of truth. That, dear friends, is the spirit of truth giving us understanding. And you, know, you can have revelation, 
You can have this, you can have a Bible, and lots of homes have Bibles sitting there, but they don't have illumination. They don't understand what the scriptures are. You know what, friends? Even the people that wrote the Bible, many of them, the Bible says, did not understand the things that they were writing. They were just faithful in recording it. Many of them did not understand the full import or even part of the understanding of, of, of what the, the things that they were writing about. So we are living in the age of the Spirit, when the Spirit has come to guide us into all truth, to take the veil from our hearts so that we can understand what this revelation of God means to us. Thank God for the Spirit. In fact, Jesus said this. Would you turn with me, please, to uh, Luke chapter uh, 10? Jesus didn't say that, but what he said is what we're going to read. Luke chapter 10. My wife says, sometimes I get too excited. I need to slow down and just finish what I'm starting to say. I kind of, you know, if I say half a sentence, I kind of figure you know what I'm going to say for the rest of the sentence. So I just want to go on to the next sentence. I mean, you're smart. I figure that you're smart. Is that okay? <laughs> okay. Some of you need the spirit of revelation when I'm preaching to take the veil from your mind. What was he, what was he going to say when he cut that sentence off? Okay. Now, look, Jesus said this. If the spirit of truth is taking the veil away from your heart, you know what? You are blessed. You are blessed. You are greatly privileged and highly favoured by God to enjoy the ministry, I haven't got the yet, to enjoy the ministry of the Holy Spirit in that way. So the verse is 21. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. The disciples had just got back. You know, Jesus has sent them away to minister. They just got back and they were so excited about what they'd seen. They'd seen the powers of darkness, you know, being overpowered by the name of Jesus, etc. And then it says in verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by the Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said, Privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. Isn't that fantastic? You know, I've got a I've got a, a pastor friend and he sometimes sends me an email and uh, lets me know what he's doing. And he's always going around talking about either demons or spiritual gifts. Now, look, friends, there's a part for that. Of, you know, there's a place for that in the ministry. But it's not the, the place. You know, it's not the central place. And uh, when these people came back, when these disciples came back, they were rejoicing that even the devils were subject to them because of the authority they had in Jesus' name. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. Don't get all excited about demons, friends. You know? <laughs> Some Christians, they have demons for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> Their whole Christian life is all about demons. They've even got names for them, you know? 
they're kind of like on first name terms with them. Don't get excited about demons and spiritual gifts and, and like they're toys, you know? Jesus said, the greatest thing is that your name is written in the book of life. The greatest thing is that you know Jesus because when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he wants to open your eyes concerning what the scriptures are about. And guess what, friends? It's all about Jesus. That's what's going to change your life. That's what's going to mean a lot to you. Some of you know John Heinegger. John's uh, putting on a, an apologetics conference. I think it's either on the Gold Coast or up in Brisbane. I'm not sure of the venue. And uh, he's asked me to be one of the speakers, which I kind of feel way out of my depth because that's not my forte, but I'm going to do one session. But you know about apologetics? There's a place for that. But here's the thing. Apologetics shows that, there, you know, that the Word of God can stand up to investigation, that there are answers. It can, it can stand up to reason and scrutiny. But you know what, friends? People don't get saved by debate, by reason, by arguments. I would say I doubt whether hardly 5 or 10% of the, this congregation ever came to Christ because somebody won an argument with them about the Word of God. Because if people can argue you into the Kingdom of God, you can get argued out of the Kingdom of God. Somebody comes along with a better argument and you're out of the Kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus said this, or rather Paul said this, he said, no one can cause Jesus Lord except by the Spirit of God. You know how people get saved? It's the Holy Spirit working in human hearts through the seed of God's Word that brings forth spiritual life. It's a spiritual work. We're born again. It's a miraculous, a supernatural work. It, you don't get saved by reason, but it's a faith that can stand up to reason. Thank God for that. You know, we do have answers, but you're not saved by arguing your way into the kingdom of God. It's a supernatural work. And you know the key to receiving truth from the spirit of truth is humility. That's why Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that you've hid these things from the wise and the prudent, the know-it-alls. You know, the intellects. You don't, you don't understand the Word of God intellectually. Intellectually, you can understand what it says, but you'll never understand what it means intellectually. You can go to Bible school and come out with a lot of knowledge of the Word of God, and that knowledge is what it says, but you don't know what it means unless the Spirit of Truth draws back the veil and shows you the meaning. You know the best Bible teachers in the day of Jesus were the Pharisees. They could tie you in knots when it came to what the scriptures said. They knew them back to front, you know. But you know what? They didn't understand what it meant. Jesus said to them this in John 5.39. He said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have life. But these are they which testify of me. But you haven't come to me that you might have life. Isn't that amazing? They knew the scriptures, but they didn't understand the message of the scripture was to bring us to Jesus. And those who knew the Bible best never found Jesus. And that's why it's humility that is the key to understanding and to receiving the revelation 
of God's Word. We read this in uh, Psalm 25 verse 9, the humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. James says that we are to receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God. With meekness, with a meek spirit. When we come with a, a spirit of humility, and a, a spirit of humility is not one that says I'm nothing, but one that says, Lord, unless you open my eyes, I will not understand this. A lot of people come with preconceived ideas. They've got it all worked out, and you can't teach them anything. You know, we need to be like little children. Jesus said, unless you're like little children, you won't even enter the kingdom of God. We've got to come with childlike dependence upon God. The spirit of truth. Say, Lord, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your word. I'd like you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. That's right at the end of your Bible. 1 John chapter 2. One John chapter two and verse twenty says this: "But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things." Wow. You have an anointing. That's the Holy Spirit, and that the anointing is that you might know all things, that you might know all truth. It's consistent with what Jesus said in John sixteen that we might be led into all truth. Now, that doesn't mean to say that you and I know all things now. We don't. Let me try to explain what, what I think John is saying there. Now, when God created Adam, Adam was indwelt by the truth. He stood in the truth. The only way that the lie could access him was externally. So we see the serpent comes along and, and externally has access to him. But inside he had the truth. He was housed within by the truth. The truth was in him. Now when he fell, the lie entered, darkness entered his soul, and the only way that truth could access him was from outside. He didn't know the truth from within. He had to access it from outside. Now when we're born again, that situation is reversed. We are now of the truth, the Bible says. And the truth is in us. We don't just know the truth. The truth is in us. And so as you know, John says there, you have an anointing and you know all things. It doesn't mean that you know all things now. Just as you, know, you are sanctified and yet in a sense we're not perfect. It's a journey. It's a journey we're on. But as you hear the truth and you stay in that dependence of God, that spirit of dependence and humility before God, you witness to the truth. This is the truth that I'm hearing. This is the truth. Because the truth lives in you. And there is a witness that comes from the Spirit. Let's look at um, uh, verse 27. But the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. Now, when it says that you don't need anyone to teach you, you do need teachers. We'll talk about that in a moment. We need teachers. But it's meaning this. You don't need someone to tell you what to believe. That's what cults do. Okay, you don't listen to that. You listen to this. This is truth and forget the rest. No, no, you don't need anyone to tell you what's true and what's not true. 
because the Holy Spirit of truth lives inside you and bears witness to the truth. So in chapter 5 and verse 6, 1 John chapter 5 verse 6, we read this. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness. Because the Spirit is truth. Amen? So you know, you know, when you hear truth, you're not confused. You know, this is truth. The Spirit within you is bearing witness to what you're hearing. Now, one of the things that the Spirit of God does is he gives gifts to men, and one of those gifts is a teaching gift, so that we might know the thing, so that we might be taught the truth of God. And so he raises up teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, different kinds of teaching gifts within the body of Christ. Now the role of them is to teach you the things of God so that you might know them more clearly. You remember, uh, I don't know if you remember the scripture, there's a scripture where Apollos started his ministry and he went around preaching and teaching. And the Bible says this, that a, a more mature couple in the body of Christ, Aquila and Priscilla, took him under their wing and showed him the way of God more accurately. There were some gaps in his ministry. He was missing out some very important things. He doesn't say what it was, but he needed to be, to, we, we need human teaching, you see. And here's the danger is that God has raised up human teachers that we might be built up in the truth because it's the spirit of truth working through them. But some do as much damage as they do help because they said us wrong. So why is that? And as I shared with you previously when I started my ministry, that's the position I was in. And it's because of what I said. I knew what the word of God says, but I didn't know what it meant. And I believe that the, the, the problem is this. When God called me into ministry, I, mistake, I mistook the calling for the sending. See, a lot of people say, I'm called, so I've got to go to Bible school, got to learn, and then go. When God calls you, he wants you to come, not go. It's pretty clear, isn't it? If I call you, don't run the other way. If you owe me some money, you probably will. You probably say, oh, no. no. So if I call you, I mean, come here, come here. If I send you, I say, go, go. <laughs> send you on a mission, right? Now, when God calls people into ministry, he wants them to come and be taught and then go. Once they understand what the message is. There's a lot of people who have gone without being taught. There are a lot of untaught ministers teaching the word of God. And because they haven't got the foundations in place, because they haven't got the starting point even worked out, then it's just kind of like um, a lot of information dissemination, but no real edification. And so when you're listening to a preacher or a teacher, you've got to say, is this person taught of God, first of all? Do they understand what it's about? Have they had the revelation? Can they minister Jesus to me? And, and, and the Holy Spirit who's within you has been given to you to discern, to bear witness to the truth. And the truth is all about Jesus. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians as we wind up this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. One Corinthians chapter 2. 
I'm just going to read this chapter to you and we're going to finish up because this, this kind of summarizes what I've been saying to you. This is a great chapter. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or, with, or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Now when he says I didn't come with wisdom, he's talking about the wisdom of this world. You know, there's a wisdom of God and there's a wisdom of this world. Both are valid for their purpose. But don't confuse them. Don't try to mix them as being the one and the same thing. The wisdom of this world will help you in certain things about how to live you know, in practical areas of this life. For example, in your business, you need to learn the skills of that business. That's okay, we're not knocking that. They're, they're a, they're, they're, that's the wisdom of this world. But the wisdom of God is completely different. The wisdom of God is all about Jesus. He is the wisdom of God. And it's all about how to live in Christ and how to, how, how to live the Christian life. Now, problem is, some people try to mix them. You know, some of, some of the top speakers today in the pulpit can step out of the pulpit step into a business forum and say the same thing, just take the word Jesus out and teach the same thing as if it was the same wisdom. It's not. You know, I, I was teaching in a Bible school once and uh, after I taught, the, 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 the pastor invited me to come and have a cup of coffee with him. And he said, what have you been teaching today? I said, I've been teaching from Genesis, you know, the seedbed of Revelation and, and how everything flows out of the book of Genesis and etc. etc. Oh, I said, uh, tell you what I do. And he took down this business manual that he got from some corporation and he took it down, he opened it up, he said, see this? Here are various principles of leadership. I just take out the word manager and I put the word pastor in. And I teach pastors and leaders that. I sat there with my mouth open. And I was thinking of John 20 when Jesus said, you know, in the world <laughs> the Gentiles do this but it shall not be so with you. Whoever wants to be your leader shall be your servant. We, we, we live in a different kingdom to this world. And this world does not, the kingdom of God does not work the same way that this world works. It's a different wisdom. You understand? Our wisdom is Jesus. And if that's too old fashioned for you, well, you'll get on in this world, but you won't get on in the kingdom of God. Because that's the only thing that works, is the life of Christ. Amen? And that's why I could never understand how, how people can step out of uh, the pulpit and take the same sermon and preach it in, 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 a, in a finance gathering or a, a business, or a, you know, a, a gathering of business leaders. It's a different wisdom, friends. This is what Paul is saying here. I didn't come to you with that human wisdom. That's what they wanted. That's what they expected because they were human philosophers. They gloried in human wisdom. Now he says in verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yes, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Because when it comes to the crunch, friends, it's, it's the wisdom and the power of God that's going to hold you up. Amen? Now, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom amongst those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, 
who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. It's, it's, it's hidden until we are, receive the revelation of it through the word of God. Until the Holy Spirit illuminates our heart and takes the veil of our heart so that we can understand it. We come with humility to God to receive this wisdom. To understand the ways of God and the things of God. Amen? But... Uh, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have cr not have crucified the Lord of glory. When God's wisdom came to earth, they crucified him. That's how smart they were. But as it is written, I has not seen nor he heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So you don't know me. You, you, you only know what you see of me, but I know who I am deep inside because, of, you know, because I am who I am and because of the spirit of man which is within me, my own personal human spirit. I know myself entirely you understand it's like that with god people can examine god investigate him from a a, a kind of a, a soulish perspective but it needs the spirit of god to come and reveal him to us to take the veil away from our hearts now verse 12 we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from god that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged, by no one. See that? Because you have the Spirit of God, you can discern what is truth. The Spirit of truth lives in you. People judge you as a Christian, but they judge you wrongly. They judge you wrongly because they don't know what the things that you know because the Spirit of God dwells within you. And it says, verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of of Christ. Oh, isn't that fantastic? That's the new birth. That's what happened to us when we got born again. God sent the spirit of truth into us that we might know the mind of Christ, that we might know the things that God has given to us freely and that we might rejoice in those things. This is the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Praise God. A little bit serious this morning, maybe you brought a friend along and you probably have to say afterwards, oh, I'm sorry about that. It was very funny last week. We had a lot of jokes last week, but uh, pretty serious this week. But it's good stuff. It's good stuff to know that you're indwelt by the spirit of truth. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for the precious word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells us as the spirit of truth. And because he indwells us, as we walk humbly, living in dependence upon him, we will not fall into error we will not go astray. We will not come into deception 
but we will stand in the truth. And the truth will set us free, and the truth will build us up and show us the things that have been freely given to us by God, that we might enjoy these things and partake of them. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.